So there's an affinity there uh, between us and our persecuted brothers and sisters who've been displaced because we're all elect exiles. Uh, and that realisation, I think, should help us to better stand with them and pray for them. Across the world today, millions of Christians are persecuted. They face oppression, imprisonment, displacement and even death simply because of their faith in Jesus Christ. These courageous believers are our brothers and sisters. We're in this together with them and we need to hear their voice. Join host Laura as we discover their stories today on Release International's Voice podcast. What if fleeing was your only option? Millions of Christians across the world today face that stark reality, many specifically because of persecution. November marks the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, and this year, Release International's IDOT resources focus on this issue of displacement. On today's podcast, I'm speaking to my Release International colleagues, Kenneth and James. We'll talk about some of the places where Christians have been forced to flee, and we'll think about how the issue of displacement is covered in the New Testament, and we'll discuss how churches and individuals can participate in the International Day of Prayer this November. So welcome, Kenneth and James, to The Voice podcast. Thank you. Good to be on the podcast again. Yep, thank you very much. You are both familiar voices on this podcast, having both been guests and even hosted episodes yourself before. So it's great to be talking to you again today. Kenneth, you are Release International's Head of Content and Theology, and James, you are Release International's Lead Engagement Manager. And today we're going to be talking about the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, which is otherwise known as IDOP, and this year is on Sunday the 7th of November. So, Kenneth, I'll come to you first of all. Can you tell us a bit more about that and about how Release International is involved? Certainly. Well, IDOP is a well-established event on the calendar now. It's been around for a number of years And I guess like any annual festival, it serves as a reminder, really. In one sense, you would want churches in the UK to be praying for persecuted Christians on a regular basis, not just once a year. And of course, many churches do. But IDOP, each November, serves to remind us of the importance of doing that and perhaps challenges some of us to get more involved in this issue. In terms of releases involvement, I think two things to mention briefly. First, we are contributing, along with some other organisations, to an online event that's on the evening of Sunday, November the 7th at 7.30. We did something very similar to that last year, and you can find details of how to be part of that, how to sign up for that, on the Release International website. And then second, as we've done for a number of years, we provide various downloadable resources that individuals or churches can use. Thanks, Kenneth. Yeah, we'll make sure we've got that date in our diaries, the 7th of November. And you mentioned there those resources. James, could you tell us a bit more about those resources that Release have made? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, as Kenneth says, we always want to encourage local churches or prayer groups to get involved and, and to mark that day in some way or another. Um, although we do recognise, I think, that um, some churches 
will have other commitments on that specific Sunday, the 7th of November, um, and, and we don't want that to be a barrier in any way. So what we suggest is that um, churches choose just some convenient point during that month of November uh, to, to, to mark the day in some way. Um, and that uh, can look different uh, depending on what your setting is. So it might mean dedicating a full Sunday service to the theme. Um, or it might just be having a five-minute slot within your normal um, service structure. Uh, and then some churches might even consider doing a special um, event during the week, a special prayer event or something like that. So there's lots of different ways to participate. Uh, and, you know, you could be as creative as you want about that. Uh, but obviously the key idea is that we're standing in prayer uh, with our persecuted brothers and sisters. And so as you say, this year um, we've produced this full set of online resources uh, to, to help churches and prayer groups to plan that IDOP time um, and the particular theme that we're focusing on this year uh, is on Christians who have been forced to flee because of their faith so that's kind of one aspect or implication if you like of persecution is that Christians may be forced to flee uh, and the resources this year um, reflect that. So maybe uh, people do just have a five minute slot to introduce IDOP in their services and in that case uh, probably the best way to do that is to use the little um, three minute film that we've produced that gives an overview of this issue and then maybe use some of the prayer points that are also um, on the web page uh, to inform a prayer after watching that video. Uh, then if you have a little bit longer than that, maybe 10 or 15 minutes, in that case you could use the short film, but you could also maybe use uh, the PowerPoint uh, presentation that we've put together with some slides showing a map um, that's in our current magazine uh, uh, showing all the places in the world where Christians are affected by displacement. Um, it also shares some specific stories of individuals from Nigeria, from Eritrea, from Iran, uh, which really helps to get to the, the, the human scale of the issue. Uh, and then there's some project information about um, Afghanistan in there and projects that we're involved with uh, and prayer points at the end of it. So that's another way to, to do it. Um, alternatively, you might be able to devote the whole service to IDOP. And in that case, one of the other things we've added this year is a sermon outline uh, on one Peter that uh, can bring some, some biblical reflection to the whole subject. So, uh, yeah, we really just encourage our listeners to consider using this material and to, to get your church involved in some way or another uh, during November with IDOP. All of those resources are at releaseinternational.org forward slash IDOP. That's great. Thanks, James. Yeah, so you mentioned there that this year, Release International's particular focus for IDOP is praying for Christians who have been forced to flee because of their faith. Um, so it'd be great to hear a bit more about that. Kenneth, what is the extent of this problem and in what parts of the world is it an issue? Yes, there are a number of places in the world where we see Christians fleeing in varying numbers because of their faith, usually uh, in the face of violence or the threat of violence. So just to give some examples, um, take Iraq, for example. We know many Christians have fled often in the face of dire threats from Islamist groups to that northern region that we know as Kurdistan. Or again in Eritrea, where a hardline regime has been clamping down on evangelicals for a number of years. Many Christians have fled over the border into Ethiopia, where they are now living on refugee camps. Or again in Nigeria, there are thousands of Christians who have fled Islamist violence, although in their case they tend to move to other parts of Nigeria, which is why they get labelled internally displaced persons, 
as the word refugee usually implies you fled to another country. Having said that, there are a small number of Nigerians who fled over the border into the Cameroon. Again, on the other side of Africa, there are Somali Christians who fled from Al-Shabaab into Kenya. Occasionally, we hear of Christians in Pakistan who have fled when threats have been made against them, uh, and they've ended up in places like Thailand and Sri Lanka. So those are perhaps just uh, some of the key areas in the world today when it comes to this issue of fleeing. And James, I know that one of the resources um, you mentioned just before that you've produced for our IDOP webpage is a sermon outline on 1 Peter 1 to help churches bring some biblical reflection to the subjects of Christians in flight. So what does 1 Peter have to say about it? Yeah, 1 Peter is maybe the letter in, in the New Testament that most frequently addresses the subject of persecution directly. Um, you know, so for example, in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, the apostle says, don't be surprised at the fiery trial that's come upon you, uh, but rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings. Um, or in chapter 3, he talks about suffering for righteousness sake, and then he goes on to explain how Christians should uh, respond to that. So the theme of persecution generally is is an important backdrop, I think, in the letter of, of 1 Peter. But then there's also another um, interesting theme that comes out, and that's um, related to the idea of Christians being described as exiles, um, or in some translations, foreigners or aliens or strangers. So um, in chapter one, uh, Peter addresses the letter to the elect exiles. um, And in chapter two, um, he says that his Christian readers are strangers or exiles in the world. Um, So that means that, you you know, that they don't quite belong, that, that they live in their society but they are are governed by a, a different set of values to the people around about them um, so in that, that sense he's using this idea of exiles as, as a spiritual metaphor for what it's like to be a Christian in the world um, and we understand where he's coming from with that you know in, in John's gospel Jesus talks about being in the world but not of it um, but what's also interesting along with that is that when you look into the, the background setting of, of the letter of 1 Peter there is some evidence um, to suggest that the people that Peter was writing to were actually literal exiles. So in other words, they were people who themselves had been forced to flee their homes, uh, probably in some kind of crackdown in Rome, um, and now they were uh, living in different parts of the empire as foreigners. So it's almost as if the spiritual metaphor of exiles is actually building on a kind of social reality of what the readers were experiencing. Um, And... Yeah, so there's obvious parallels there between the circumstances of Christians today who've been forced to flee and possibly the situation of the readers of Peter's letter. Um, and that background um, can adds a little bit of colour to some of the things that Peter refers to in the letter. So, for example, in verse 4 of chapter 1, he talks about the imperishable inheritance that's being kept in, in heaven for believers. Uh, so for people who have had their homes and possessions ripped away from them, you know, questions of inheritance are going to be at the forefront of their minds. What am I going to pass on to my children now? You know, without property, how have I got security in the world? How am I going to provide for my family? And Peter says, in contrast to the perishable inheritance inheritances of this world, the inheritance of heaven it brings eternal um, security and identity. So. Uh, with all of that said, and regardless of exactly how we interpret the background of the letter, because there is some debate about that, um, I think there are a couple of key points that we could take from this. Um, firstly, 
when Christians today are forced to flee because of persecution, they don't need to lose hope. You know, it's clearly hard, harder than most of us could ever imagine. Um, and Peter never plays that down. Um, he recognises that his readers are suffering. He, he talks about <clears throat> the fact that they've been grieved by various trials in verse 6 of chapter 1. But he's also writing to encourage them. You know, he talks about the living hope that they have. He talks about the joy that they experience in their relationship with the Lord even now. Um, he, he refers to them as elect exiles. And to be elect means to be chosen, to belong, to have a home, despite displacement that they may be experiencing. Um, and then for Christians like us, who have probably never had any experience of literal displacement, uh, the point is still equally valid because we also are elect exiles and we need to, to live in the world in such a way that reflects that. Um, so we're distinct. We have a kingdom of God's values. Jesus is our Lord. And we need to embrace the fact that that will make us, to a certain extent, foreign in our communities, in our society. Uh, and that doesn't mean that we act weird for the sake of being weird. It doesn't mean that we retreat from our communities or, or kind of act aloof around uh, people who aren't Christians. We do want to get involved. We want to seek the prosperity of our city and um, to pick up on Jeremiah's instruction to the Old Testament exiles. Uh, that may also have been in Peter's mind here. Uh, we want to be winsome. We want to be persuasive. But we do that as foreigners, as exiles. Um, and our status then as exiles means that we don't need to um, depend on our material possessions or our physical homes for our ultimate sense of security. So if they were ripped away from us, as they have been for many of our persecuted brothers and sisters, then it would hurt. But we wouldn't need to despair. And, and therefore maybe we should be learning to hold on to these things a little bit less tightly uh, than we do. So there's an affinity there uh, between us and our persecuted brothers and sisters who've been displaced because we're all elect exiles. Uh, and that realisation, I think, should help us to better stand with them and pray for them. On today's podcast, I'm speaking to Release International workers, Kenneth and James. We've spoken about IDOP and the resources that are available to help churches participate. You can access all of these at releaseinternational.org forward slash IDOP. Keep listening as we go on to talk about why flight is the only option for some Christians and how we can benefit from reading the Bible together with persecuted believers. It's really interesting to hear some biblical perspective on this topic and we're going to dig a bit deeper into that now. Because, um, Kenneth, someone might want to ask that question, you know, why should Christians flee? Um, we talk about the fact that Christians should expect to face persecution in the world. It says that in the Bible. Um, we know that many Christians have no choice but to stay where they are and endure the violence and oppression and imprisonment or perhaps even death. Now, we acknowledge the fact that it is difficult for us to talk about this from our own comfortable position um, but from your experience of working with Christians who face this kind of decision, in what circumstances is it right for them to flee? And is there any biblical guidance that we can draw on to help us with this? Thank you. Yes, that's uh, an intriguing question, isn't it? And, and as you say, I guess it's one that's not easy for us to address from our position of relative safety. I think on the one hand, Yes, we would want Christians where possible 
and that's a key phrase, where possible, to stay and to maintain a Christian presence and a gospel witness, even if that means, as it sometimes does, meeting in secret, operating as an underground church. However, I think we do have to recognise that at times that presence, that witness, that existence is no longer possible. It's not practical. It's not an option. And in such situations, uh, for Christians to flee becomes the only real option. Or if I can put it slightly differently, um, you wouldn't you wouldn't want Christians to openly deny their faith simply in order to stay, to stay in the face of intimidation and threat. But neither should Christians be encouraged to seek persecution. Uh, nowhere in Scripture are we told to go out of our way to get persecuted. In the book of Acts, there are various occasions when the apostles flee. More than once, for example, when it became known that a plot was afoot to kill him, the apostle Paul fled from one place in order to resume his gospel ministry elsewhere. And even in that act of fleeing, which we, we might think is a, is a retrograde step, is a negative thing, even in that, in that act of fleeing, we sometimes see God at work. So think, for example, of those Christians who were scattered, who fled Jerusalem after the martyrdom of Stephen. Just a few verses later, Luke tells us that those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Yeah, it really does strike me that there is a real point of contact between the early church in the New Testament and what many persecuted Christians are experiencing today. So, Kenneth, you've been involved in this work for more than 10 years now. Has it affected the way that you read the Bible? And do you see things that you didn't notice before? You know, how can we as Westerners make sure that we are reading the Bible with our eyes fully open? Well, yes, although I had done a lot of preaching, Bible teaching and so on before joining Release and was aware of persecution around the world, being involved in this ministry does inevitably affect um, not so much the way you read the Bible, perhaps that's a lifelong process of learning, but perhaps does make you more observant, if I can use that word, of persecution as an aspect of life, as an aspect of discipleship, if you like for God's people in Scripture. As I've often said um, over the years, we live here in the UK in a part of the world where God has blessed, has mightily blessed gospel ministry in times past down the generations. So, for example, just think of how many famous, indeed world famous, preachers, hymn writers, theologians, missionaries and so on have come from this little island of ours. And that means that, in a sense, we in this generation as Christians, we live against that backdrop. We live in the shadow of that. We live in a culture where Christianity has sunk deep roots. Even if we detect a, a growing antipathy towards Christianity today, that's, that's a separate issue. But that, that backdrop, that cultural backdrop, means, I think, that it's, it's perhaps not easy. It doesn't come naturally for Christians in the UK to think biblically rather than just anecdotally about persecution. Now, I'm not sure there's one simple recipe uh, for doing what you ask, 
But just to, to say one or two things, I would always encourage Christians, and not just uh, with regard to persecution, but I, was, I would always encourage Christians alongside their Bibles to read material that helps you to see the big picture of Scripture, to see what we sometimes call the storyline of redemption history and so on, because it's often in that environment that you see the biblical theological roots of persecution panning out. In a nutshell, you see the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world and how they interact and so on. Um, I'd also have to say, do read material that release international producers. And by that, I mean our books as well as our regular quarterly magazine. Um, Earlier this year, we published uh, a Bible study, a five-part Bible study for home groups, small groups, fellowship groups, whatever you want to call them, uh, which was called All for Jesus. Now, I know we talked about that on a previous podcast, but that series of studies encourages people to reflect biblically on the impact that persecution has on discipleship which is perhaps an aspect of discipleship that you don't often hear about. So if you're a home group leader, small group leader, and if you're planning ahead, why not make a pitch for your church to use that material in its groups next year? That's great. Thanks, Kenneth. And is there anything you want to add to that, James? Uh, Yeah, I think it's uh, just to pick up on that point there about discipleship. You know, we often talk at release about um, learning lessons of discipleship with persecuted Christians Uh, and so in that sense you know I think it's so important that we uh, read the Bible together as Christians and in the broadest Christian community and we listen to the perspective that other Christians bring to that Uh, you know especially those that come from a radically different background uh, uh, to us now we've got to be careful when we say that because we we don't want to succumb to the the postmodern idea that every interpretation is equally as valid and there's no real access to truth or anything like that You, you know we can access truth but none of us do it perfectly and none of us come to the bible as neutral impartial observers we're all situated in a specific place and time and that colors the way that we read the bible and i think therefore in order to get the most complete understanding then we need to listen to each other and discern the truth together um, and as Ken says, you know, for those of us who have grown up in this environment with a fairly ingrained idea of the political concept of freedom of religion, you know, that just doesn't exist in the first century world uh, and the experience of early Christians and for many of our brothers and sisters in the world today. Um, so maybe we have a, a limited or, or shallow understanding when we read things in the Bible like suffering for righteousness sake or sharing in the sufferings of Christ, big ideas that maybe our persecuted brothers and sisters can really help us to understand, you know, as we read the Bible together in community. Yeah, definitely. I know I've been challenged um, by our conversation today, so hopefully our listeners have been challenged and encouraged too. So finally, um, how can we best be praying for Christians who have been forced to flee this IDOP? How can we best pray? Well, I would just say simply read the current Release International magazine, which has a theme of of people fleeing, and uh, download those resources that we mentioned earlier and use them. Yeah, just to add to that, pray pray specifically. So use the resources and learn about the situations. Don't just pray in general terms, but uh, pray specifically for individuals and situations. Um, And 
to to pick up on the point Kenneth made earlier as well. Pray that in this experience of flight, there will still be opportunities to share the gospel, um, and that the church on the move is a church that doesn't leave the gospel behind, but that God uses to build His kingdom wherever they go. So, um, and all the obvious things like pray for protection, for provision, pray for wisdom for our partners who are working in these situations, which are often complex and and difficult to know exactly what the right thing to do is. So. Um, all of that stuff, I think, is covered in the prayer points on our website as well. Brilliant. Thank you, Kenneth and James, so much for talking to us today. Thank you. Thank you. For the majority of Christians in the UK, home and the security that comes with it is something we take for granted. But what if it was ripped away from us? How would we cope? Undoubtedly, it would be hard, and that realisation should stir us to pray for those who find themselves in that situation this IDOB. But equally, our persecuted brothers and sisters demonstrate to us that displacement does not result in the end of hope. God is faithful, and his promise of an eternal inheritance is the only source of ultimate security for all of us. For more information about IDOP and to find out more about Release International's work serving persecuted Christians, please visit releaseinternational.org. Thank you so much for listening to The Voice podcast. Please do subscribe through your favourite podcast app so you can stay connected to the voice of persecuted Christians. We'd love to hear your feedback on the podcast too, so please do share your comments with us. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube. And if you don't already receive our free quarterly magazine or prayer alert emails, then you can subscribe now on our website at releaseinternational.org forward slash podcast. Remember those who are in prison as if you were in there together with them and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Do not abandon them 